Welcome to the Morning Dove Podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. In this space, I hope to normalize the grief journey while amplifying stories of loss. I believe that listening to each other's stories brings validation, empathy, and an increased understanding of foreign perspectives. By providing a window into the loss community, it is my hope that you will feel seen, heard, and deeply loved. Now on to the episode. Hello friends, welcome to another episode of The Morning Dove. I am so glad that you're here. Today we're going to be talking about a topic um, that I am currently experiencing, and that is pregnancy after loss. Now I want to fully start by acknowledging that it is a privilege to be pregnant after a loss. I definitely know that that is not the case for everyone. And there are so many people out there who are still trying to conceive after a loss or who have had you know, catastrophic situations to where they will not be able to conceive after a loss. And so I just wanna make a space to acknowledge that and to say, you know, I know what a privilege it is to even be in this position and to be able to have another child, hopefully, if all goes well. Um, And that being said, pregnancy after loss is not easy. So it's kind of going back to that both and, you know, yes, I am privileged to be in this position. However, I am also experiencing a lot of things. And I know for many women who have experienced a loss, the pregnancy immediately following and pregnancies after just come with so many different um, feelings and experiences and situations. And so that's what we're going to be diving into today. I also just want to take some time to say thank you so much for listening. I have been really blown away by the amount of support and listeners I've already received. Um, Sharing your stories has been such a pleasure and I feel very honored to be able to hold that space. If you have a story or an insight to share, um, please reach out to me. My email address is Allie Rose Felker, that's Felker with an F, at gmail.com. You can also be following along on the podcast um, Instagram, which is at Morning Dove Pod. I had also reached out to my personal Instagram community, that's at Allie Rose Felker, because um, I have a lot of friends who are um, have been pregnant after loss or are currently pregnant, and I asked them for um, some of their insights, and I'll be sharing those today. So let's dive right in. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was this concept of a rainbow baby. This is something that you've probably heard of, you've probably you know, experience, maybe you even are a rainbow baby or you know someone who has had one. It's this idea that the baby you have after a loss um, is this rainbow that connects to your baby in heaven. And it's a really beautiful idea. Personally, I have chosen not to use that statement, um, especially while I'm still pregnant because I feel like it doesn't give justice to the feelings and experiences 
I'm currently having. Um, when I think about what my daily life is like being pregnant now, it's more like kayaking next to a waterfall. It's like there's this huge risk that I know about and I'm just paddling upstream trying to stay away from that huge risk. And, you know, you've got a team of people who are cheering you on. I've got friends and family who are just being so supportive, but I still feel like this is definitely more of an active and difficult time than a time of, you know, chilling out underneath a rainbow. <laughs> so I also um, have some other thoughts about the term, and I know other moms who really love the term and find that it brings them a lot of peace and comfort. So, you know, it is whatever it is for you. But when I think about being pregnant now, I really don't want anybody to say like, oh, you have your rainbow baby because, hey, I know that there's a risk that even this baby won't make it. And that is very scary. So when it comes to this pregnancy, I felt a lot of anxiety in the beginning because I knew that the risk of miscarriage, you know, it is one in four for every pregnancy. And so I've known so many people who have had miscarriages. I've, you know, been in this child loss community for a year now. And so just knowing that that was a risk, um, you know, was was something that was difficult. So in my first trimester, I I did have the worry that she would that my daughter who I'm pregnant with now would not make it through. And I think many women feel this way, um, whether or not they've ever had a loss. Um, you know, we're told that those first 12 or what is it? Thir I think 12 weeks are um, the re weeks where you're not supposed to tell anybody you're pregnant and, you know, you're supposed to keep it a secret, which I think is terrible because if you do lose the baby, you, you're going to want support. So there is sort of this general knowledge that there's a risk of miscarriage in those first 12 weeks. The problem with that is that it does give us sort of a false sense of security because if you're like me, you've experienced a loss after that. And it's like, okay, well then where, where's my safety window? And that was something that actually one mom had written to me. She felt like in her pregnancy, there was no safety zone. You know, even after you pass the gestation of whatever, wherever your loss was at, you still feel that anxiety. It doesn't mean like, oh, I've passed this. And so now I'm good and I'm safe. I want to also dive into this concept of like the nature of the loss. So... So like I said, Hank died because I had had a placental abruption. So now the way that I'm being monitored is watching the baby to make sure she's growing and moving and developing correctly because that's an indicator of whether or not my placenta is healthy. And on top of that, I'm being very rigorous with my kick counts. I'm paying attention to her movements. And I'm just really trying to be a hyper aware of, you know, what's, what's going on in there. And it's exhausting because you are caught in this catch 22 where 
you feel a responsibility to be aware and to try to keep this baby alive. And at the same time, you are so stressed out that you don't want to be stressed out for the sake of the baby. And so you've got these people like doctors and nurses telling, trying to reassure you and help you not feel anxious. But at the same time, it's like, how can you not be anxious after what you've experienced? So for my first trimester, I was, I was very sick and I was very nervous, but I still told a lot of people that I was pregnant because I really did feel that if I were to lose another baby, I would need a lot of support. And once I passed, you know, the first trimester and I passed, um, all of the genetic testing and everything started coming back normal. Um, I did enter into sort of a period of calm. I don't think that's common at all for anyone else who's experienced stillbirth or, um, or miscarriage, especially not a, a second trimester miscarriage. But for me, I was just kind of looking at the data and also looking at the nature of my previous loss. And this is where I think that every pregnancy after a loss is going to vary because for me, I knew that I am at a higher risk of placental abruption, which is what happened with Hank. And the risk of that goes up in the third trimester. So just given my history and given some of the statistics, I felt like I was a little bit more safe in the second trimester. And then once I hit the third, that was when the anxiety started kind of growing. And with that, there also came a little bit more comfort because I knew that if they had to take her early, she would probably end up being okay. Um, but it's just this feeling of unknown. And I think so many people who have experienced pregnancy after loss, the whole time you're just kind of like walking on eggshells and just hoping, but you're afraid to hope. And that's something that can be very, very difficult. And just today, um, I had a doctor's appointment and my maternal fetal medicine doctor, she told me, you know, it totally makes sense that you're anxious. and she said I wouldn't have expected anything different and that was really wonderful and I'll get into um, choosing a care team um, more in this episode as well. So I would imagine you know I'm talking about this from my experience and from my um, from what I've felt but I would imagine that if you have experienced a stillbirth and or a late miscarriage or or any kind of loss and it was unknown the reasons why you experienced that loss i could imagine that your pregnancy following that loss would come with such a a lack of control and just a feeling of of insecurity and so if that's you i am so sorry Um, all I can say is you've got this mama and we're going to get through this together. (laughs) And so also if your loss had to do with maybe a genetic issue and then you're kind of focusing on that with your 
second baby, you know, that's going to change your experience. If there was placental issues or growth restrictions or things like that, that's going to change the things that you're hyper aware of in your pregnancy after a loss. And, um, you know, I really feel (laughs) that in all of those different situations, you're always going to be on high alert. You know, even, um, I have a friend who had, um, I hate this term, but she had experienced incompetent cervix where, um, she went into early term labor. And so she was able to have a surgery, um, called a cerclage, which would, um, give her the possibility of carrying to term. And then I don't, I think she is having a C-section, but it's, there's possibilities to have C-section or vaginal afterwards. But even with that, so, you know, they do the surgery and now she knows that she is going to be able to carry to term, but she's still high risk. You know, even in those situations where the quote unquote problem was addressed, you're still going to have the anxiety. I think that's completely normal. And, um, and if you're having periods where you're not having anxiety, that's awesome. Don't beat yourself up and feel like you're a bad mom because you need to have this anxiety that everyone else is talking about. Now, if you are having those little periods or big periods of relief and feeling, you know, good about your pregnancy, that is absolutely wonderful. And um, there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. Another difficult aspect of this is bonding with your baby. We had a very difficult time um, just even talking about the fact that I was pregnant. Besides the symptoms I was experiencing, we, we didn't want to see any baby stuff. We didn't want to talk about it. We didn't want to have anything to do with it because, frankly, we didn't want to get attached. It was so scary to think that we could lose another baby, that the idea of loving one like we love Tank was terrifying. And so we still haven't named this child. And we, um, we've held off on that. And I held off on the idea of a baby shower or a registry or anything baby related because I was so terrified. <laughs> that, you know, we would have another horrific thing happen to us. And then I kind of got to a point where, you know, the worry is still there, the anxiety is still there, but it was really once she started really moving and kicking that I started to be more okay with the idea that I could fall in love again. And know that the outcome could be bad. But I think that's an aspect of parenting too. You know, I hope the best for my child's life. And I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't know if she's going to make it to this side of the earth. And I don't know if you know, tragedy is going to strike before that, or I'm going to get into a car accident, or I'm going to get horrifically sick, or, you know, there's so many unknowns. And if I continue to live in the fear of those unknowns, 
um, I'm not going to be able to fully give my child the life I want her to have, which is difficult. (laughs) Um, And I want my child to experience life and I want her to do that away from fear. And of course, like I'm going to still make sure that she's safe. I'm gonna do everything I can to keep her safe. But the things that are outside of my control, I have to let go of. Um, And this is where pregnancy after loss is so confusing because there are things that are in our control. You know, we can pay attention to movements and we can ask questions from the doctor and we can push for monitoring and testing. And so it's tough because on the one hand, you feel like you're totally out of control and there's nothing you can do and your baby's just in this body that's a death trap and you hope that they're going to make it and then on the other hand you feel like oh but there are these things that I can do and there's the pressure and the weight of those so it really is like walking a tightrope and one mom had said um on Instagram she said it's it's walking a tightrope through hell you can see the light but it's far away and I could not agree more You know, there are definitely good days and there's moments of joy, but it really is walking on a tightrope. One other aspect of pregnancy after a loss is, um, is an aspect of guilt. So the day before things started going wrong with Hank's, um, pregnancy I had been in the car for I want to say like six hours Drew and I went and took like not really a baby moon but just like a little weekend trip and um and now we both are afraid of going on long car rides when I'm in my third trimester and is there any evidence that a long car ride contributed to my son's death or would possibly contribute to another bad experience? No, but your mind does these crazy things. And I think sometimes we're just looking for things that we can control in this time. And sometimes when we find something, um, even if it doesn't make any sense, we want to control it and we want to cling on to it and say, okay, this is something that I can control. This is something I can do to make sure my baby's safe. And then with that comes this feeling of guilt of, oh, but I didn't do that last time. And then also seeing the amount of care you're receiving and maybe the things you're doing differently in this pregnancy can also give you feelings of guilt. And it's so unfair because There is nothing, absolutely nothing, and I hope you hear this, that we have to be guilty for. We did not do anything wrong in our previous pregnancies because we, frankly, aren't doctors. (laughs) And we, and even if you are a doctor (laughs) and something goes wrong, you know, it, there's a certain percentage of stillbirths that can be prevented. And, you know, it's very difficult to learn about the ways that things could be prevented and also know that that wasn't the case 
for us. And we just have to be strong and learn how to navigate this and kind of find what feels the best for you and stick with that. And for me, what feels the best is to believe that my son's death could have been prevented and to champion women to understand the risks, to have pregnancies that aren't fearful but are just aware, and to advocate for the best maternal and fetal care that we could ever receive. And, you know, whatever is working for you in kind of resonating with that of your previous loss, you just kind of have to to go with that. One other area where I tend to feel guilty is with work. So I tend to work on my feet a lot. Um, I do lashes and hair and so I'm constantly up and down and walking around the salon and I worked a couple of weddings this summer and after every wedding I was just like oh my gosh am I overworking myself am I not am I distracting myself too much am I not paying attention to her movements as much and it's so frustrating because there's this anxiety and this guilt and um and you just kind of have to fight it <laughs> um, and just keep reassuring yourself that you are doing everything that you can. And what's been really helpful for me is if I come home from a long day of work, my husband will ask me, hey, is she kicking? And if I haven't noticed her kicking, then I'll do kick counts and I'll drink a cold glass of water or a glass of orange juice and lay on my side. And sure enough, so far, she's been great. So it's, it's just another aspect of this experience. And I hope that you, listener, are not experiencing guilt, but this is just one other piece of the pie <laughs> that is pregnancy after loss. And then there are so many reminders. I would imagine that anytime you're pregnant, you would have the thought of, oh, well, what happened with my last pregnancy? And when your last pregnancy did not end well, that can be very painful. A lot of moms have expressed that they even feel some PTSD going in for ultrasounds. The first couple appointments I, I had, I did experience this. And one of the first ultrasounds I had, I was nauseous. I was worried that my blood pressure would be too high. After the ultrasound, I um, I had a horrible headache just because I had all of this pent-up anxiety. And, um, and once I saw she was okay, it was like, okay, the anxiety could take a break, but my body was physically exhausted from it. And this is just something that I hope um, more care providers will understand for moms that are pregnant after loss. Ultrasounds, you know, they're not fun for us all the time. Now that I'm further along and I've had like a million ultrasounds, um, I'm much better about them. I don't have that anxiety anymore. 
and being able to feel her beforehand makes a big difference too but that trauma is real and even going into the same office can be traumatizing I remember just being in the elevator and thinking like yeah it's it's not easy (laughs) so definitely recommend finding a care team that will support you which we will get into in a minute one more thing that another mom had brought up um, she said that the fear that we experience in pregnancy um, after a loss can trickle into the newborn days where you still have this disbelief that you know this baby that you've wanted and this hope that you've had for so long is actually here and at the same time all that anxiety all that fear you know it's still like in your body and it's still in your mind and and so just because the baby's here doesn't mean that it magically goes away and now you're like instantly better so that's something that I've heard that I'm personally trying to prepare myself for if and when we take this baby home but um, I think it's important for anyone who has not experienced a loss who's maybe listening to try to understand more for their friend who is pregnant after a loss you know that level of fear isn't gonna just magically disappear once the baby gets here okay let's dive into choosing a care team this was a question that was brought up on instagram how do you find that ob who you know you can trust well (laughs) I think you honestly, there's an aspect of trusting your instincts. And I think you need to also know that there is no question. And this goes for anyone who is pregnant, whether you're pregnant, you know, and just finding your OB or you're pregnant after a loss and you're finding a different OB or you're deciding whether or not you want to keep the OB that delivered your um, stillborn baby. So... There is no question you can ask that is too much. There is no amount of security that you can seek from your doctor that is too much. It's their job and it's what they're there for and you deserve a high level of care. Whether you're pregnant after a loss or you're just pregnant, I believe that every woman deserves to have um, a pregnancy where their concerns are listened to. Feel out your care team and understand um, if they're taking your concerns seriously. If they're returning with validating, confident answers, then that's a great sign. If it feels like they're starting to kind of diminish your your question and make you out to seem like you're this crazy pregnant lady, definitely drop that doctor as fast as you can. I think another aspect of this that was important to me is the access to care. So I um, ended up changing doctors um, at like 18 weeks of this pregnancy. And one of the, there were so many reasons why I switched, but one of them was that I didn't feel confident that I could access the care that I would need quick enough and that I would be seeing people who knew me and knew what I had been through. So, you know, every hospital's different, every clinic is different, um, but the one I was going to, I would have the same OB, 
which even that is like a gift, but I would be seeing a different maternal fetal medicine doctor every time. And I was definitely not happy with the way I was seen at that office because the maternal fetal medicine doctor came back to me and she said, um, you know, I really don't think lightning's going to strike twice. And to some that may seem like a reassuring statement, but to someone who's been through this, it's like, well, that's not a guarantee. <laughs> and just because you think the odds are in my favor doesn't mean that horrible things can't happen to people multiple times. I know moms who have had multiple losses and all that does is, you know, diminish their experience and their story. So that's not fair. And also what my doctor should be telling me is here's how we're going to make sure that lightning doesn't strike twice and kind of take that ownership on themselves. So when I went to the second um, doctor, I actually saw a midwife through an OB practice and she was just so reassuring. She said, no, here's how we're going to do this. This is not all on you. We're going to be monitoring this baby. Here's how this monitoring is going to, you know, keep your baby safe. It was, it was so much better than just this like flippant remark. So I think that whether you decide to return to the same office or you decide to change your care team, you know, just be asking those questions and be paying really close attention to their responses. And then also be frank with them and just say, how, how are you going to make sure that I don't go through hell again? And if you haven't been had a loss, you know, and this is your first pregnancy, just say, hey, how can I know that this baby is going to be safe? What does monitoring look like? Um, am I getting all of the ultrasounds that I need? And I could do a whole nother episode on all of the ways that I think are care, <laughs> both for maternal and fetal medicine <laughs> needs to be worked on, but that's another conversation for another day and maybe a whole different podcast. Okay, let's chat about toxic positivity. I think this applies so much to not only pregnancy after loss, but also um, grief and talking to someone who's grieving. Unfortunately, I think our culture, I guess I would say it's our culture. There's something about the way we communicate where we feel this burden to look on the bright side. And we feel like when someone is giving us, you know, this honestly gift of their story and they're saying this is how I'm feeling and this is what I'm experiencing we feel that we have to fix it or we feel like we have to turn it around and it's there's no judgment here I was this person really honestly before I lost Hank I always felt like I had to be the one who found the silver lining and said, well, at least this didn't happen or <laughs> at least that. And that is so invalidating. You know, here's this person who's opened up to me and they're saying, this is what I'm going through and it's really hard. And instead of saying, wow, 
I am so sorry that you are experiencing this. I am here for you if you ever want to talk or even just saying like, can we talk more about your person or can we talk, do you want to talk more about this and being a listening ear? I can't tell you how many times I'm sure I have just said, well, I don't know, look on the bright side or found some kind of silver lining or tried to like be helpful in that way. And now that I'm on this side, (laughs) none of those statements are helpful. (laughs) They, um, you know, and I, I know that most people mean well, and I do believe that we just haven't been trained, um, in how to talk about grief. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing or a, a generational thing or what it is, but I just don't know if we are grief literate. And the same thing goes for pregnancy after loss. So this goes back to that doctor who told me like lightning won't strike twice. Well, that's very easy for you to say, but I am not living that experience. That hope is not validating to the anxiety I'm feeling, nor does that give me the comfort of knowing that you, doctor, are going to care for me. Whenever someone says um, to a person who's pregnant after loss, oh, just don't worry, you know, everything's going to be okay, it's, it's so painful because first it feels like you're discrediting the loss we've already experienced. You know, I was not worried with Hank. Throughout my pregnancy, I thought I'm a healthy young person and there's no reason why anything should go wrong. And you cannot manifest life or death. You can't think these things into existence. Worrying is not going to cause harm. So this idea that this pregnant person shouldn't worry because if they worry, you know, something bad's going to happen or it's going to cause harm to their baby is, is not helpful. It's almost like It's almost like when you say, like, don't think about pink elephants, (laughs) like, okay, well, what am I thinking of now? It's pink elephants, you know, telling someone, oh, don't worry, is not not helpful. And when somebody says, like, everything's going to be okay, it's, it's frustrating because we don't feel seen in the anxiety or the experience that we're in. And... Instead, you can try to say, I'm hoping the best for you, or you're doing such a great job, (laughs) you know, you've made it another week, you've only got this many weeks to go, we're here for you. Or just providing that listening ear of, hey, how is your pregnancy going? How how are you feeling? Um, Is so much more helpful (laughs) than saying, everything's gonna be okay. I go back to a story that my friend Sarah shared on the podcast where she had gone in for a blood test and it eventually came out that her daughter Harper had died two years before due to stillbirth and she was currently pregnant. And the um, person taking her blood said, well, this baby is going to be born with 10 fingers and 10 toes. And (laughs) Sarah was like, well, yeah, 
my last baby was born with 10 fingers and 10 toes that, you know, it just saying, oh, well, don't worry. These things are going to be great, you know, is, is not helpful. And then at the same time, it's like, well, my baby was healthy before, like my son was completely healthy. There was nothing wrong with him. He had no genetic abnormalities. He did have all of his fingers and toes. It was my body that was the problem. So kind of just missing it and saying, well, this baby's going to be different. And see, this baby's strong. This baby's doing good. It's like, well, that's great, but my body's the problem. (laughs) So that is just not fun. And I think just as a culture and as, as a group of people, we need to like try to stop saying those toxic positivity statements and instead try to pursue genuine empathy. Um, We need to listen to each other's stories and we need to provide a validating voice, not a voice that is just trying to make everything better. And so I hope that with this podcast, you know, we can have these conversations and we can learn how to be more grief literate because then we're actually learning how to support one another and not how to diminish each other's feelings. And again, this is like a no judgment zone. We're all going to make mistakes in this. This is a learning process for us all. We didn't have a grief course in high school and we never, and, and fortunately, very few of us have been touched by grief um, in our lifetimes. So this is definitely like a learning experience for all of us. And I hope that you hear my heart that this is not something I'm trying to um, pretend like I'm any kind of expert on. But just from my experiences, I think that we can learn how to be more empathetic, more validating, and um, to be better listeners. And a big part of that is sharing and hearing each other's stories. I also want to talk about another aspect of pregnancy after loss, and that's the fact that our babies who put us in this position, you know, who who have died, are so deeply missed. And any kind of good thing that seems to come out from being pregnant after loss is only because we've walked through hell. So we're not lucky that we get more monitoring and we're not lucky that we get to deliver early. We've already gone through so much pain that this is it's not a consolation, it's just a, the reality. And I've even caught myself saying that to my clients um, because I'll tell them that this is my second pregnancy and that my first um, was stillborn. And in trying to lighten the mood <laughs> and in trying to you know, help them to have a good experience, I'll say, oh, but I'm, I get to see my baby once a week now, it's great. And it is great but it's only because my son died. And this kind of goes back to my own frustrations with maternal care. Why did my son have to die in order for my pregnancy to be taken seriously? 
and for my concerns to be taken seriously. That shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> so yeah, that's just that's just another aspect of this that's painful. You know, just because we're getting this child, you know, and that we have this pregnancy again, that doesn't erase the pain that we have. It doesn't it doesn't take away from the fact that we still miss our son and we still think about him every single day. And even when this baby comes, you know, babies don't replace babies. And I will admit that um, we had a friend years ago who had experienced a late term or a second trimester loss. And I was, I, I couldn't imagine walking through that. I was like, that's absolutely devastating. And I felt so bad for her and so bad for the family. And then a year later, they got pregnant and they had a baby. And in my head, I thought, oh, thank God she got her baby. And while it's true that that's what you're hoping for, that baby is not <laughs> the baby that was lost. You know, it does not take away from the death that we are grieving. And so I did not understand that until I'm now walking in it. And I think there is this sort of feeling like we just, we want people to be okay and we don't want to see people sad and we want everything to to work out in the end. And so when someone who eventually has a baby after a loss, we think, oh, thank God, now they're okay. They're fixed. (laughs) You know, and it's like, no, we're still broken. And yes, we have this child and we're so thrilled, but that does not mean that we're not going to continue grieving our son. So that's something that I think, you know, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think you understand until you really walk through it, but that's just another aspect of this. And then there are also many days where I experience a lot of joy, where my daughter you know, moves and kicks in a certain way that, that brings me joy, or she hides from the ultrasound tech and doesn't want to let her mom see what she looks like <laughs> for the past many months. And there's just things that she does that does bring me joy, but there's still so much sorrow and so much uncertainty too. So it's definitely both and. There are other aspects of this too that I had alluded to in the beginning, which is um, moms who have experienced multiple losses and those who are trying to conceive after a loss. And that is just another added layer of pain (laughs) that I am so fortunate to not have to experience, but my heart just goes out to all of the mamas who are experiencing pregnancy after loss and all of those who are just trying so desperately to conceive and all of those who have the grief, the compounded grief of multiple losses. I just want to say like you're seen and you're loved and, and this is a safe space for you. I just want to end with some ways that I think, 
um, can make pregnancy after loss a little bit easier. The first is setting milestones. I think, you know, trying to look forward <laughs> to 37 weeks is a big ask when you're this anxious. And so setting like little milestones along the way can be very, very helpful. And you can also ask your care team like, hey, can I be seen X amount of times or every other week or, um, you know, in in some kind of sequence? That way you have something to kind of look forward to. And then once you've passed it, you're like, okay, great. I've, we've made it there. Because the idea of making it through an entire pregnancy is a lot. My, the best advice I can give is to find another mom who has been pregnant after loss and even better someone who is currently pregnant with you after loss. If you can find that person, they are a gem. I've had two people, um, I've been lucky enough, who have been pregnant with me and um, it kept me so sane because you have that person who you can call where you can be like, I can't believe this is happening. This is what my doctor said or um, or even just to kind of commiserate over the things that unfortunately people say. <laughs> Today someone told me uh, that my pregnancy was a blessing in disguise and I wanted to be like, oh my goodness, no, I, you know, <laughs> yes, I'm happy I'm pregnant now, but I certainly would have preferred having my not to, to, to grieve the death of my son. So yeah, finding those other moms who can cheer you on, who can give you the comfort and reassurance, who can commiserate with you, and who can also say like, hey, you should go in. <laughs> because I think even still in this pregnancy, I feel bad for going in or for asking questions. And I've had friends who have said like, no, we deserve this. Like every mom deserves this. We should, we should ask questions. We should demand the best care that we can receive. So definitely find those other mamas who either have gone through this or are in it with you because they are a lifesaver. And you, even if it's an Instagram friend, like that is so nice to be able to check in with somebody and see how they're doing and, um, and to know there's somebody else out there who understands what you're going through. Also surround yourself with good friends who aren't going to say those things that are invalidating and full of toxic positivity. You know, it's, it's so important to just remember which friends are the ones who you can go to in your grief and really take advantage of that friendship. They're there for you and they love you and they want to be there for you. And lastly, I would say just maintain good communication with your partner because even if they're not showing it, odds are they're very anxious as well. And just having that space for open dialogue is so important. And remember, like you will not grieve the same as them and you will probably not experience anxiety in the same way that they will. So keeping those lines of communication open and really believing the best in each other in this time is so important because that's what's going to keep you sane. And they're your partner. You know, they're 
they're, you're there to support them and they're there to support you. And having a partner in this is so vital and it's so wonderful and it makes a big difference. And yeah, there's complexity, but in the end, knowing you have someone in your corner is a very big deal. So yeah, those are my thoughts on pregnancy after loss. I am coming up on the gestation that I was at when Hank died. And um, I don't have as many feelings about it as I honestly expected myself to have. His birthday was last week and that was much more emotionally loaded. But I will say that I am very ready to meet this baby girl. And I am very hopeful for many aspects of her life. And the first is that she will make it healthily and happily. And the second is that she will sleep. (laughs) So wish me luck. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. I love you all so much. And I'm so thankful for this community Um, to join in please visit our Instagram at Morning Dove Pod. You can also follow me personally on Instagram at Allie Rose Felker. And if you have a story or an insight to share, please shoot me an email at AllieRoseFelker at gmail.com. And then also, if you can just hit that subscribe button, that means a lot to me as well. And you know, rate and review. That's a wonderful way to support um, me and this podcast. I love you all and I hope you have a beautiful day.